I would tell you that that's important. You've got to get the Corey's message about, about, about you. Say, the, the message was, when you need a word. <laughs> and then he crossed out the when and just said, you need a word. And uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about a fresh word, uh, maybe something new that God might be having for you. The message is uh, titled, Who Likes Stale Doritos? So nobody likes the same old thing all the time. And uh, there's nothing worse than going to the bag uh, of Doritos and thinking, man, I've been thinking about these all day. And I go and I open up that bag and I smell them, you know, and they smell good. You can't tell, you can't tell stale from the smell, really, when you're talking about Doritos because it's all covered in chemicals that don't lose their smell. But as you, as you sniff that up, sorry, Rod, you're still paleo, aren't you? Sorry, yeah. We'll talk about sugar and all kinds of stuff for you in a little bit. But those Doritos, as you get them and you go to eat them, then they're stale. They're just, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no life there. Not that there's real life in real Doritos, but, you know, there, there does, there's not that excitement there when you go there and, and, and when you... When you do that, I will tell you, God's speaking things to you, and if you feel like it's the same old thing, and if you don't feel like it's fresh, then I'd ask a couple questions, not me of you, but you of you. Are you allowing God to move in your life, like we talked about uh, just a few minutes ago? Are you allowing him to flow in your life? Because I know this, when you dam up his flow through you, it'll get stale. It'll get stagnant. Your life will. And many times, and you are the seasoned body, really, for the most part in this church. You're the ones who have been around for a while. And, and I think sometimes we have this tendency to think that we have it all figured out and we have it all known and then we're doing a good job. And I'm not saying you don't figure out a few things and you haven't gone a few places and you haven't done a few things. But, but God's got new things for you and new things for us. And I would encourage you that if something feels stale, if something says, well, that's the same old thing, well, then maybe we need to open up the gates and allow some things to flow in our life. Allow God to move in our life just a little bit. God's going to pour out. He didn't say in his word he's going to pour out his word one time in your life that you'll have one revelation and then it'll be over. In his word, as you follow it and as you grow and as you mature, it, it's a process of revelation in your life. And when you're lost and when, you, when, you, when you're a mess and when, when you've got problems going on, revelation of the word, really, it, it, it sets you free. Revelation of the word in that moment changes who you are. It changes what's going on in your life. It brings restoration. Restoration is just the bringing back into existence, bringing back into use, health, soundness, putting back into a former position, and making restitution for what was lost. But I'll tell you this also. If you're headed in the flow, if you're moving in what God has for you, and he brings revelation in your life, it brings revolution. Bill Winston was sharing a little bit about this on, on that Monday and Tuesday, and, and just the fact that, that, that there is revelation for you in the Word of God. There is revelation in this earth today by His Holy Spirit being poured out in your life. And I would say that if you're, if you're lost and if you're struggling and if you're having a tough time, that revelation will bring in your life restoration. And as you're flowing in what he has and as you're going in the direction he wants you to go and as you're purposing in your heart to mature in Christ and grow in faith, I believe that that revelation will bring revolution in your life, a complete change. Revolution is an upheaval. It's a little bit of that Matthew where it says that the, the, the kingdom of heaven will suffer violent and violence and the violent take it by force. It's that kicking down the gates of hell and going after the lost souls who are in this world. That's revolution. That's what revelation does when it comes in our life. And if you're going to say, well, you know, it's kind of been the same old thing for me, well, then I'll ask you, have you done anything with that same old thing? Too many times in our life, we're seeking and searching for a new word. We're asking God to give us something new, and he continues. I talk to people all the time and say, what's God speaking? Oh, it's the same old thing. Well, then what have you done with that same old thing? 
Because if I've come to him looking for a new mountain or looking for a new opportunity or looking for a new word, and he has taken me back over and over and over again to that old place, that's usually because I haven't done anything with it. Because his will is progressive in my life. His revelation is progressive in my life. It takes us from glory to glory, built on a firm foundation of the word, which is ever-growing as we get a revelation of it. It's quiet. How y'all doing? It's good to see you. John Bevere had an example, and it was, it was just a couple days ago, out in Word Explosion, and he used a bench press example. And I remember when I was doing this and growing, and I shared this message a little while ago. I watched Dan lift weights when I first started lifting weights, and, and he had two big plates on the side, right? That's 135, and he was just pumping them out, and I thought, man, that's, the big plates are the ones you want, because those are the cool ones. Anything less than that means you're a weakling. And girls do that, and it's not, you know, so I mean, like when you go in the gym, and you don't, if you don't get to put the big ones on, you might as well not even try, right? I mean, that was like, that was it. That was a while ago. Yeah, and I was, I was watching, I was watching him, and uh, he, you know, he was doing that, and so I thought, man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, you know, and so I got down there and almost, you know, you know almost killed myself, right? So I had to take them off, and I had to embarrass myself, put on the little ones, but I, I built myself up, and when John Bevere was using this example, I was like, I, I know what you're talking about, because I've done that. I've been there. I wanted so, I mean, it's only 135 pounds. It's not like I was lifting a car. Two cookies on the side is 135. Then you go with two of them on each side. Then you go up a little bit more and you go to 225. That's where you want to be because that, that, that's power when you get to that point. But if you won't lift 95, you'll never get to 135. And if you won't lift 135, you'll never get to 225. That you progress. And I remembered in that time as he began to share that example that when I was working out that way, in all the exercises and all the things that I did, I always forced myself to do one more rep. I always forced myself each week to do two more pounds, two and a half more pounds, five more pounds. I pushed myself continually in that place. And if you're saying, well, the things that God's telling me to do, you know, they're the same old things, and I'm kind of tired of those, and I'm waiting for that new thing to come. Well, you better do the same old thing. Because if you don't do the same old thing, there'll never be a new thing. Because 225 will kill you. Because you can barely do the bar at 45. And you say, well, I've been around a long time. Well, great. Maybe you're at 185, but God wants to take you to 225. You're going to have to work your way through there progressively. That God has a word for you, and he has a new message and a new thing. But if you will not, see, if you, not that you won't listen, not that you wouldn't take it, not that you wouldn't write it down, but if you won't begin to act on it in your life, it's never going to grow. And he's going to take you back to that same place. Turn to 1 Kings, if you will. And while you're going there, Keith Moore was sharing, you know, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. In the Message Bible, if you go back and look at it, Romans, at Hebrews 10, 17, you don't have to now, you're going to 1 Kings. But it says, before you trust, you must listen. And God is speaking something to you. And I've had him tell me the same thing the last time a new way that changed me. So today you may be saying, well, I'm kind of stuck in that place. If he's going to tell me, yeah, but maybe he's going to tell you the same thing, but he's going to do it in a different way, in a new spot, in a new season in your life, and it's going to make sense. You're finally going to be obedient to whatever it is, that thing that you've been chasing around and saying no to, whatever. Maybe you're in your life and you're like, man, I have used up all the revelation that he has given me. I, I mean, I am advancing and sword swinging and going that direction. Well, then he's got something new for you. And it's important that you hear what that is. Not the words that I'm speaking, but what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, because those are the places where faith is released. You don't release your faith in what somebody says, you release your faith in what God said and who he is. 
It's important. If you go to 1 Kings and you begin to read this story, it's the story of Elijah. And it's a story of a time where there was drought. And here's what we have to get to in our life. We have to realize that God, do you think God knows more than you do? I mean, is there anybody that says they know more than God? Because we need to change, you know, you can come up here, I'll go sit down, it'll all be good. But I, do you believe that God has your best interest at heart? See, do you believe that God wants you to prosper, that he wants you to have success, that he wants to take you into all the victory that he has provided for you? Yes, yes, yes. Well, then why is it that we struggle so often with understanding what he's saying and doing it? You've done it with your children. I've preached it a million times. You know what's right. They don't. You tell them what's right. They don't do it, and they fall into a mess. And then we say, you should have listened to me. Yet when God speaks to us, we do the same thing that our children did. We say, well, you know what, God? I'm not going to do that. Or you know what, God? I've got a better way. Or you know what, God? I've got a new idea. Or you know what, God? I can do it differently. And then we get in trouble and God says, come here. (sighs) Hugs you back up, right? Picks you back up. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. It's like Peter as he threw out the net like we talked about last week in Luke chapter 5. And as he threw out that net, it was a new word. He didn't rely on what he knew. He didn't rely on his skills. He didn't rely on on who he had been. He didn't rely on past history because past history said that there was nothing in that place. He was a great fisherman who brought it in. It wasn't like this guy was a louse and just thrown out a, 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 a string every now and then. He knew what he was doing. He didn't rely on any of that. He relied on the new word that Jesus spoke to him. Throw out your nets and you're going to have a big catch. You can go back and bait, you know, should he throw it out a net, nets, whatever, you know. But what he did was he listened to what Jesus said that day, and it was a new thought. It was a new idea because he had already done that, and it hadn't worked. But when Jesus spoke a new thing to him, same old thing, right? Throw out the nets. He had just thrown out the nets, but it was the same word, but it was just different. It was from Jesus this time. And when he spoke that word, he threw out the nets and brought in the catch. God leads you by his word and by his Holy Spirit. When he speaks, listen. When he speaks, it's important because it's for you. He knows all about you. He knows what's going on in your life, and he knows where he wants to take you. As I shared with those young people at that youth camp a few weeks ago, there were just a couple of moments and a couple of places where there were just like this one kid standing there, and I said, you know what? It's okay to be you. It's okay to be different. So you've seen some things and nobody else has done them. You've seen some things and nobody else is like that. God's made you a certain way and you feel weird because nobody else is like that. But you know what? That's okay. Because God's going to start taking you places. He's going to start doing things in your life. He's going to start moving. And it's okay to be you. Hey, we're all different. Be different. If you're like everybody else, that's a problem. Right? Right? I mean, if, if uh, that's a problem. If we're all like me, we've we got some real issues. <laughs> there can only be one of me. First Kings, okay, real quick, 17. It says, Then Elijah, the Tishbite, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain in these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. As God begins to speak to you and begins to show you things, we have to realize that as God guides you, he's going to provide for you. 
that in this place he told, he told Ahab there would be no more rain. So he took him to a brook, and the brook began to run, and he said, that's where you drink, and I'm going to command the ravens to feed you there. Actually, if you go back and you begin to look at that and they talk about the ravens in that place, it, it, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a story that goes with that, that the ravens ate off the plate in the old temple and the gods that Ahab was serving, he was putting food out for them and the ravens were taking that food and they were bringing it, see, they were bringing it to the real man of God and feeding him there by the brook. But as it goes on, it says, so he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. Now that's important. Because as we look for a new reason, a new season, a new life, a new whatever, a new start, a new thing, what he did here was he went to the brook. See, if he would have stayed where Ahab was, there could have been trouble, and who knows what would have happened to him. But it said, he went and he did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and he stayed by the brook which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him food, brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the, in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Now, there's a lot of lessons here and a lot of things that you can teach and a lot of things that you can glean from this information. But really what it says is there's got to be a new season because God never leaves you hanging. But I am telling you, Woody Woodson said it back in 2010 when he came here. God does new things in your life because the old things don't work anymore. Quit trying to do new things the old way in your life. Well, I've always done it this way. Well, maybe you're not going to anymore. Well, get used to it. Nobody likes change. That's why nothing changes. See, now God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. His word doesn't change. But the channels and the things that he does in this earth, those things change. Well, how do you know? Well, look. See, he told him to go to the brook. And he told him the ravens would feed him there. But there came a moment and there came a season where the brook, it says, dried up. Now, he could have stayed there and he could have sat there and he could have said, Oh, God, I'm dying. Oh, God, I'm dying. But as you read on, God already was providing another way. He was already providing another opportunity. He was already taking him down another path. And not only was he taking him there, he was preparing someone else to be there for him when he got there. As he goes on, he says, then he went, or then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise. You need to go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to do what? Provide for you. To provide. Just like the ravens were going to provide, just like the water was going to be drink for him, the ravens were going to bring food. When that season began to pass, when that stream began to dry up, and maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm in that place. I'm not saying you're stiff-necked and rebellious. I'm saying you've been doing what God told you to do, and you've been saying, okay, God, what now? Okay, God, where am I going? Okay, what's happening? This doesn't seem to be working anymore. When you try to do new things old ways, frustration occurs. And I'm telling you, I don't have a doubt. If Ahab would have stayed there in that place, he would have died. He would have dried up and died. Why? Because it wasn't what God had for him anymore. There was a new thing. And he said, go find this widow. And then it says in verse 10, just what he did back by the brook. So he arose and he went. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow, a widow was there. And what was this widow doing? This is, you know, as you go back and you begin to read this, and say, she was gathering sticks. Why? Because she was about to make a meal. And what was that meal? It was her last flour and oil. Had he tarried, she would have eaten her cake and done what? 
died. Because the provision for her, the provision for Elijah, was for him to show up and her give him the offering so that her faith would increase and grow, so that the miracle could take place. What if he never showed up? What if he would have got there a day late? What if he would have said, you know what, God? Bunk it. I'm stopping over here at uh, Village Pantry and I'm having a ho-ho. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. And I, and I think in, in our life, as we move into the end of the year here, God's going to do some things. I think he wants to do some stuff. But don't, but don't just think it's going to pop out of these four walls. It's going to pop out of you. So it's going to pop up and it's going to spring forth. And, uh, you know, you've been waiting and now all of a sudden God says, well, now's the time. See, the brook is dried up. Now we're going to go over here. And there's something already prepared for you. God is already preparing it before you get there. And that in the right time, or this is saying Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary in what? Well, doing means you're doing it, means you're going to the brook, means you're going to the widow. For in due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart. Due season. He calls to the widow and he says, please bring me a drink and a cup of water that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me that morsel of bread. And she said, hey, I ain't got anything, man. Just a little bit of flour in the bin and a little oil, and I'm about ready to gather all these sticks together, make a fire, make this bread, and then my son and I are going to eat it, and we're going to die. And he says, you know what? That's not, that's not right. It's important that you hear the word of God, and when you hear, when you hear the word of God, it's important what you do with that word. <clears throat> Elijah was in a place. where God was, God was providing for him drink and food. And then God said, it's time to go somewhere else. It's time to do something different. It's time to move forward. I'll tell you this, faith moves forward. Well, how do you know? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things what? Hope for, and the evidence of things... If you walk backwards, you've seen all those things before. If faith is the substance of things not seen, you have to move forward for that. Because you haven't seen it. Because I think sometimes we struggle. I'm in faith. Where are you moving forward? Well, I don't know. I'm kind of hanging out. Why do you think God's growing? What did we talk about for the last, you know, three or four? Stretch. Why? That's forward. That's not you. That's him. That's growth. That's seeing new things in your life. God wants to tell you something new. Frustration sets in when you try to do new things old ways. When that happens, people stop dreaming. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. She's going to put it on the screen for us. It says that God will pour out his spirit. It will come to pass that afterward I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see what? Visions. When you won't move forward in God and what he has for you, it begins to frustrate who you are. And when that happens, you stop dreaming. Discouraged people don't dream. Disappointed people don't dream. See, he says that he's going to pour out his spirit. We believe that. On all flesh, that your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You were never meant to live without a dream. It says right here. 
Proverbs 29.18 says, without vision, the people perish. And it's not talking about the vision like we talk about when we go to Habakkuk. This vision is talking about the fresh word and the manna from God to us. Without his, basically, we could say, spiritual direction and discernment in our life, we perish. Not vision as far as a plan for our life. Many of you have sat down and wrote out the plan for your life. I'm asking you, what's God telling you today? That's important. You know just as well as I do that I can plan everything I want, but God directs our steps. And as we begin to plan it, put our faith in our plan, God moves it, and sometimes that gives us an opportunity to balk. Gives us an opportunity to think twice. There's nothing wrong with planning your way, but I'm telling you, you had better know what God's speaking to you and what he's saying to you. That's the vision that we're talking about here in Proverbs. That's why, see, when we read Ephesians 1 like we did last week, that Paul said, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and what? Revelation. Why revelation? Because that brings restoration in your life if you're lost, and it brings revolution in your life if you're going forward. It helps you understand, like we said last week, how big who is God. It all turns your focus on him. Elijah wasn't focused necessarily on the widow. Elijah wasn't focused on Ahab. Elijah was focused on God doing something in his life. And when God spoke, he just did it. He said what God said to say. He went where God said to go. And as he did those things, God did something in his life. See, John 16, 13 says that the Holy Spirit is your helper And he is your guide, and he will take you into all truth. He will tell you, it says, things to what? Come. Those are the unseen things. Those things to come that are unseen, they're forward. They're faith. Now, it's got got a great opportunity to make your knees knock. It's got a great opportunity to make you nervous in your flesh. But there's something on the inside of you stirring. And when you begin to have a flesh and a spirit fight on the inside, that's, that's where things get all, uh, all upset. All upheaval starts happening. Well, why do you think we went through a bunch of messages, you know, on Wednesday nights last month that were, were what? Too much what? Flesh. Why? Because God wants to do a new thing in your life. He wants to speak a new, a new, a new deal. He wants to take you in a new place. He wants to, and you say, well, well am I going to move? Am I going to go somewhere? Get a new job? Hey, I don't know. I can tell you if it sounds like God, feels like God, and maybe lines up with the word, but only your spirit knows what God's speaking to you. But I do know this, God's speaking to you. Because it says so here in John, that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, not lies, the spirit who speaks truth, the spirit who brings the word of God, the fresh manna for you for this moment and for this day, which lines up with his word and lines up with God's will for your life. Maybe different than what you thought, maybe another direction than what you intended, but it's going to be great because God has what we talked about earlier, right? Your best intentions at heart. He knows all about you and knows more than you. He knows he wants to bring you into to prosperity and success and abundance in your life. He wants to take you from victory to victory in him. Are all those things true? When we hear his word, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God then we have to release our faith in his word. No matter how unconventional it is, no matter if you're the first in your family, no matter if no one believes you, no matter, no matter if you're not qualified, you have to release your faith in him and what he said. How unconventional would it have been for a man of war, a leader, a man of God, to come before the, the Lord in, at Jericho, Joshua, and say, okay, Lord, what's up? And he says, I'm giving you this land, I'm giving you this city, march around it, and then yell real loud at the end. 
How unconventional. Release your faith in what God's telling you, no matter if it's unconventional. No matter if you're the first in your family to do it or be so. Well, what about Gideon in Judges chapter 6? He was the first mighty man of valor in his world and in his family. He was the lowest of the low, and God said, no, that's not who you are. You're a mighty man of valor. So now he's the first in his family to go to spiritual college and, and to graduate and do it. Release your faith even if no one else believes you. Think about uh, Joseph and his dreams. Nobody believed him. His own family didn't believe him. And I say that when you share things and when you tell things and when you speak things and you come and you get wisdom and those kind of things and counsel from the pastor who is me, I can tell you if it feels like since, you know, like it might, wow, that kind of, you know, eh, bears witness with my spirit, but you know what, it's you. I, Israel and Tiff were a great example. I wanted to tell them, don't move. I wanted to say, stay here where it's safe. I wanted to say, you know what? We could do something with you here. See, I wanted to say there's a gift and talent on the inside of you that maybe, well, uh, you know, we could use you over here in a, in a Spanish-speaking uh, church in, in our body. And, and I'm, I'd la- I'd, don't go, man. It's scary out there. You got a wife and six kids. The one thing I did tell him when he came to me a bunch of months ago, where's Tiff? Is she with you? <laughs> I don't know. Then don't go anywhere yet. How can two walk together lest they be in unity? So let's wait. But when, when, when I asked her and she said, I know this is God, as hard as it was for me to say, okay, pal. Now, I would probably stay here the rest of my life and not move and grow roots in this seat. But you. <laughs> go, man. Go. See, there's something on the inside of you that hasn't come out yet. And it won't come out. It won't come out unless you go. Woody began to talk about dreams that 2010 when he came. Dream again was the message. You can look it up. It's online on our, on our uh, website. But he gave some, he gave some, uh, some wisdom about dreams. And he said, you know, dreamers are rarely offended. He did say that disappointed people don't dream. Discouraged people don't dream. And those people are usually offended. But he said dreamers aren't offended. They're too busy. They're too busy dreaming. And he said this. And it wasn't about this story or anything else, but this came to me. He said, the dreamless hate the dreamers. He said, when people have a dream, it drives the dreamless nuts. They hate those people. Well, what did you see with his brothers? None of them had a dream. And it said they hated him. They threw him in a pit. He also said, without a dream, you're joyless. And depressed. 
telling you, man, you got to have a dream, dude. Got to have a dream. What's your dream? Israel told me his dream. Tears in his eyes. There's timing. There's all those things. Yep, but I'm telling you what, the rook's dried up here. For him. <laughs> don't, don't run off and get a new church. For, for, <laughs> for, for him. For him. See, in this season, I mean, it's a good message, right? I mean, these are good things. God's speaking good stuff here. God's not left. God's got good things. God's got new folks. He's got different things. But for him, see, for him in this season, that, that, that was drying up. I don't know why I'm so anxious. I don't know why this is continuing to bother me. I don't know why this is such a problem for me. I don't, I don't, I, I just, I, all I can think about are my people. All I can see are those people under the bridge. Dream. And he's had this dream for a long time. But now the brook is starting to dry up. And he's saying, there are people in Arizona who I am already preparing to take care of you to be a blessing to who you are in the ministry that you're about to start in this area to go across the border and change people's lives. See, there are people who are already being prepared in your world to take care of you. There are widows who are gathering sticks right now to make a fire to bake a loaf of bread for you because you're coming. Whether that's a new job in your world, whether that's a whatever, I don't know what it is. For Israel and Tiff, I, I just know it was, it was Arizona. There are people who are going to bless you and take care of you that you don't have any idea of who they are today. He couldn't have picked out that widow in a lineup. But he showed up and she was gathering sticks for him. Adam Sanders is Ruthie Doherty's husband. They're in Frisco now starting a church. And he asked Caleb, you know, what, you got any wisdom for me? Caleb, you know, you know Caleb Worley, he comes here and Caleb said, I'll tell you this, the people who you think are going to support you, the people who you think are going to be your financial backing, the people who you think are going to be there when all, when all heck breaks loose, they're not going to be the one. He said, there may be some in there, but he said, there'll be others who come from the north, south, east, and west, who God has put on their heart before you ever talked to to them that there is something going on they may or may not know your name they may or may not know what you're doing but when you talk to them it's going to spark on the inside of them and they're going to get involved with you and he said that gave me courage to talk to people that i hadn't thought of see it gave me courage to think outside of my box didn't we say a bunch of months ago we're living outside of the box god knows who you are he knows where you are. God's not pulling punches with you. His plan is to take you from glory to glory. But if he tells you to speak to the rock this time, don't strike it. What do you mean? God's going to do some new things. And in that new things, maybe the same provision. In the new things, it may be it, it may be the same thing flowing. When he, when he struck the rock, we're talking about Moses, right? It's an exodus, the first time. God told him, take your stick, smack the rock, and what flowed? Water. The second time he told him, speak to the rock. 
That's in Numbers, I think, chapter 20. He said, you speak to the rock this time. Now, listen, the same thing flowed. What flowed? Water. He got upset, hit it with a a stick. Had he spoken, the water would have come too. But God asked him to do it a different way. Now, was he blessed? No. God said, because of this, you will not what? Enter in. Same thing came. Water, water. But because he wasn't obedient to God to do it a new way, because he wasn't open to God moving differently than what he had, the blessing didn't come. And he didn't get to enter into the promised land. That's not who we want to be. So you say, well, what would have happened to the widow? I I don't know, but I believe God knew who she was. And I believe God might have done something different because water came both times. But Elijah, see, wouldn't have been able to go forward. He wouldn't have been blessed. You want to come and play? There would have been been issues. See, he he, he wouldn't have been able to go in, in that in that place. And what came from that? See, what, what came from his obedience to go to the brook? What came from his obedience to meet the, to the widow? Well, Elijah came from that. See, there are people who are hooked to you. There are people whose de- the destiny of the world is in the hands of the church. See, it says that, that Elijah, he did seven miracles. Major miracles, Elijah did. But Elisha asked for what? A double portion. And if you go back and you add them all up before he dies, the major miracles that Elisha performed in this world were 13. But, how, but God said there'd be another one. God said he see, would give him the double portion. Well, when that guy died in the war and they lowered him into the grave and the, and, and the man's dead body touched whose dead bones? Elisha. The man came What? Alive, that's 14. All of that, see, came after he went to this widow. The widow's own son had died, but he was in the right place in the right season, and he laid over that boy and he blew into his face, and that boy got up. The destiny of the world is in your hands because you make up the church. No, you carry the presence of almighty God on the inside of you but if you don't if I don't open up the gates and allow him to flow not going to be any power and what the world needs is the power of God the power of the Holy Spirit flowing and I am telling you this thing isn't just going to happen in the church this church has to get turned inside out so well, you talk about this all the time yep and I'm not going to stop the church being turned what I see 
It's the church just being turned inside out. And now it's not about what happens inside the four walls. It's what happens on the outside. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.